of the Leafs. Kevin McGrann is here from the Toronto Star. Kevin, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm excellent guy. How are you? Good guy. Good, good. And now we're speaking <laughs> the right language here. <laughs> uh, so, so let's go back to the development camp is over. Uh, what did you take out of it? I mean, there's some names that, that popped up, but, but this has had a new thrust because of Haley Wickenheiser. And I was kind of impressed with, with how she approached this and, and, and the direction it, it uh, started to proceed in. How about you? Yeah, it looked to me like, I mean, I think they, uh, they, they took the right attitude. They wanted to get the players playing. They, it was going to be more about you know, being competitive and get the guys skating because so many of them, uh, you know, didn't play at all last year or played partially last year because of the way COVID and the pandemic sort of affected leagues across the world. Um, it was very uh, North American centric, so you didn't really get too many of the Europeans um, over here. So there was a lot of guys that were here as free agents or on tryouts, but the guys that rose to the top are the guys that to me, to my eyes, uh, are the ones that were supposed to. Certainly Nick Robertson can skate. Like he just, he was easily the best player through that. Um, and, uh, Alex Steves, the guy I didn't really know all that well. He was a highly touted, uh, free agent out of uh, Notre Dame signed in this, signed in the spring. And he was really the first guy that Haley Wickenheiser, uh, worked with when she, uh, she got her new poster, was got promoted. So they had a little bit of, uh, their, their communication was good. Their chemistry was good. And Steves really does look like a, a player to keep your eye on as uh, as uh, we morph from the uh, rookie camp to the uh, to the uh, rookie uh, tournament in Traverse City, where the where they are now. So yeah, I thought they I thought the focus was good on games and playing and and being competitive and letting the players show their skills. And I thought Haley uh, did a, a really good job uh, in terms of communicating what she wanted from the players and having them follow through on that. Yeah, let's circle around on a couple of things. First of all, Nick Robertson. I mean, there's some sort of talk about uh, how he's going to reach the next le- next level. And I mean, really, this guy has uh, sibling rivalry pressure because his brother did so well in Dallas. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you can rein him in, and I don't know if you want to. Oh yeah, this 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 uh, this guy's got all the confidence in the world. I mean, he's he's a great he's a great communicator himself, and I, you can see when he's on the ice that he really really wants that puck. And uh, I think what we've all known that he's a great shooter because, you know, that's what he did in junior. Uh, and he was a pretty good scorer in the limited time with the Marlies. What, what I didn't really see very much from him um, uh, until this particular camp was his ability to pass the puck, his ability to make plays. And I think that's an area of his game that uh, I think we'll all be impressed with as he goes from one level of pro to the next level of pro. And, and out of the group of them there that's uh, going to be playing in Traverse City in the next few days, I think Nick Robertson is the is the one that has a chance, the only only one of them that has a chance to make the team out of uh, out, of camp, out of training camp. There's an opening on the uh, on the left wing, and he plays there. So, um, you know, best of luck to him. Okay, what what we'll do is uh, I'm going to go back to Steve's in a second, but since we're we're on Nick Robertson now, I'm going to throw him in with all these other forwards that are auditioning for spots on the on the Leaf forward units, and, and quite frankly, it's 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 not really an open audition because the the roles on, on the left side are very very specific. Um, having said that, who do you think can make that specific adjustment? Well, the guy that gets Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews the puck the most is the guy that's gonna hmm. is the guy that's gonna get there. And I I would say that Nick Ritchie is probably the most the, the one built in in that way, the one most like Zach Hyman that uh, uh, he probably has the inside track as far as I'm concerned. 
the other one to sort of keep an eye on is whether Ilya Mikhaev gets a, a, a true addition on that side. I, I know that he's played with him a little bit, and I know what his shooting percentage is like, and I know, you know, you give him the puck on the breakaway, and, you know, he, it's going to go wide. But but if he if he can do something about uh, converting an offense, I mean, Zach Hyman had trouble early in his career, too, uh, converting converting chances, he got really good at it later. Makayev is is a guy that I would think that will get a, a long look in the top six on the left side. Uh, okay, so let's go back to Steve just very very shortly. How, how does he project for you? Where do you see him in a year's time? Uh, that's a good one. I certainly think he. What I what I really think they hope is they they get a good top six minutes out of him with the Marlies, and he can really really prove that he belongs. He's being a college player is a little bit older. He's not like your typical OHL player coming out. Um, uh, so he's 21, 22, and I would think that he might get a game or two with the Leafs if if he's as good as what he appears to be. Uh, but you got to see what he can do around better players, and you got to see what he can do around lesser players. Uh, does he does he have players play to his level? Does he rise to another level? Uh, I would think that uh, he he's gone up. He is he's easily one of their top five prospects at this point. Uh, he uh, and I would think in a year's time he'd be knocking on the door for uh, for a job with the Leafs and and they need to start that churn going. They need to get these these younger players developed with the Marlies ready to take over roles because the salary cap's not going anywhere. We all know this team has an issue with the salary cap and, and players uh, uh, capping out. Um, so they'll, they're going to need guys like him, if not him, somebody else to come in at the minimum for three years and. And uh, and really contribute. So Leafs have informal skates this week, and uh, we just told everybody that Kristen uh, has reported that uh, Hall had to leave with with medical staff. Don't know exactly what that is or, or what's going on. But what's your take from from what you've seen at the informal skates? Well, there's a lot of Marleys and a lot of Growlers on the ice too, so it's pretty yeah. hard to get a read. But they do look pretty energetic. They do look like they're having fun out there. Whenever they score, there's a big celebration. White rubbing it in on blue, blue rubbing it in on white. I found it interesting that uh, that both Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek played for the same team. I believe that was the blue team uh, that won, and and and. Uh, and uh, Wayne Simmons seems to score a lot of goals. I don't really know who the other two goalies were. I presume maybe Joseph Wall was one of them, but I, 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 I couldn't make it out. I, I wish I had better eyes. Um, yeah, so they're, uh, they're certainly having fun. Uh, the only regulars that weren't here were, um, to my eyes, were uh, Morgan Riley, John Tavares, and Austin Matthews. And like you say, uh, like Kristen said, Justin Hall left early. So it looks like they're pretty much all present and accounted for. I hope Morgan Riley was just his choice not to play. I know he left the scrimmage a couple of days ago like Justin Hall did. So hopefully that, that's not an injury. It's just a decision not to play. Okay, you mentioned uh, JT. Uh, the last memory of him on the ice was, was uh, not very nice. Got smashed, <laughs> got smashed and took a big shot to the head, but also uh, wrecked his knee. Uh, do you think he's ready to go? Yeah, he looked fine. He he skated on Monday uh, when uh, another scrimmage that we were allowed to watch. They have some pretty severe COVID protocols on on the media until uh, training camp opens. This is just sort of voluntary workout. So they they let us in on Monday. They let us in today, and and JT looked uh, totally fine, totally fine as he skated. Uh, there didn't look like there was going to be any problem with his uh, readiness for training camp. At least the last time I watched him, which was two days ago. Okay, so the big story with, with uh, JT last year was um, they asked him to play or be more defensively responsible. 
and he was, and, and it affected his totals, but I think he was much more effective for the team. Um, who would they lean on to do that aside from him this year, do you think? Well, that's a good question. I think Alex Kerfoot's going to have a bigger role. Um, uh, defensive responsibility on the high-flying Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a tough one, Jim. Can I come back to that later? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you're going to sacrifice totals. And, and, you know, as I say that, I, because I'm old enough to remember, that's what Scotty Bowman did with Steve Eiserman, and, and the totals went down, but, but the team went up eventually. And, and quite frankly, don't you think that needs to happen here? Yeah, but I don't think you want to put the brakes on what Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner can do, right? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to mind if if Austin Matthews challenges again for the Rocket Richard or if Mitch Marner can keep pace for the for the Art Ross. I don't, I don't, I don't see defense being the problem. I don't see offense being the problem. I don't think you want to curb the offensive guys. I I think the roles that we saw the players have last year, because it's pretty much the same roster returning except for changes on the left wing, uh, I think they're going to continue with, right? So Jason Spets is going to, you got to hope that you get another 12 to 15 goals out of Jason Spets from the fourth line. You got to hope that Pierre Engvall uh, can be uh, consistent. You hope that Mikhaev can maybe step it up in terms of his offense. Uh, I don't know much about whether Andre Case and David Kampf, what they're or Kase, I guess is his name. Uh, I don't know what uh, they're necessarily relying on them to do. I, I think one of them will be the third-line center, and Alex Kerfoot will, will be a left winger on the top six. Uh, you know, Curtis Gabriel looks like a bit of a bit of a monster the way he the way he skates around the ice. So we'll, we'll see uh, what, what Michael Bunting can do. He's going to get an audition. He was skating with uh, John Tavares uh, on Monday. Um, there's there's a lot of question marks for the new guys, but I think the for the guys coming in, I don't think they're going to tinker much with what their rules were. Okay, um, let's talk about Austin Matthews. Uh, obviously, won the the Rocket Richard and missed some games and and had a wrist injury and had had it repaired um, in the off season. And so the the obligatory quick line is: if he could do that with a wrist problem, what can he do with a healthy wrist? I mean, it, is he ready to go? Is that all healed? And and can you actually uh, sort of add to what the injury exactly was? Well, I don't know specifically what the injury was. I imagine it was a tendon. It certainly was something you could operate on and fix. The six-week date, I think, is uh, later this week. I think it might actually be Friday. So he is on schedule to be ready to go when training camp opens uh, in a week's time. So that's not a problem. I believe he's skating. He's certainly not scrimmaging. Uh, on Monday, uh, he was spotted with a cast on um, at, the, at the media tour. So that wasn't off. That doesn't necessarily mean that's bad news. That probably means he's just on schedule for what's uh, for his recovery. Uh, we'll certainly find out more about that on Wednesday when this all uh, opens for real. Um, but I, you know, you know, Sidney Crosby was bothered by a wrist injury too. Like yeah. th- these things happen to players, and uh, they addressed it. I think we all would have been a little happier if they had addressed it the next day after the, they were eliminated from the playoffs and have let them have a full season of training or summer of training. Uh, but you know they they've chosen the path they've chosen and and hopefully the uh, the surgery will rectify the issue and goodness knows the goalies uh if he could score like like that on a sore wrist what's he going to do with a healthy wrist this this is a fascinating team because it, to me it's it's right on the edge you know and on the other side of the edge is is good or bad we don't know i mean but it's you know which way a fork in the road i guess would be the better way to describe it that's that's how i look at it um Kyle Dubas was quoted recently as saying that he would consider or has thought about 
breaking up the top four, which is a, not a reversal, but a, a, a major change from what he would have said at the end of uh, last season. Um, having said that, I mean, even if you decide to do that, I don't know that there's a lineup to acquire them because of the contracts. Uh, how do you see them proceeding that way? Oh, this team is together. They are all in on these guys. I mean, I, I, uh, I heard Kyle say that too. Um, and, you know, that's his job is to consider offers or to consider moves and whatever will make his team better. And I, and I, I believe him when he says there wasn't a deal on the table that would have made his team better. So they have some elite talent here, and they're paying for it. Uh, they're paying them, you know, the market price that was determined on the day they signed the contract. And I think they're happy to live with that. They know that these guys will get them into the playoffs. And the only thing that matters now is winning in the playoffs, is winning a round and then maybe winning two, and then who knows after that. Uh, so they're all in with these guys. Now, if it doesn't work this year, if they have made a if they have made a choice that, that's going to backfire, perhaps net-minding, perhaps uh, – perhaps aging out on the defense or, or something like that, um, uh, then, then if they don't, obviously to me, if they don't win a, a round of the playoffs, the, the management team will be fired. I think, I think they're, they're on their last legs with this, with this plan, and new managers will come in with new ideas, but the same lineup, and then we'll see what, what changes from there. But I, I do think they are all in on this. Um, they're, they're sticking to their plan. They... they they're an analytically driven team, and the analytics tell them if they keep doing this, their time will come, basically. Um, and they're sticking with what got them here, and if it works, you know, the city will celebrate, and if it doesn't work, I think the team will go in a different direction. I'm, I'm glad you brought up analytics, because I, I, as I look at the, their analytical picture, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think their analytics are based on the regular season in, in which they, they would bear fruit. I, I don't think those analytics work in a best four out of seven series. What do you think about that? I, I think there's some merit to what you said there. I think in the overall, the, the regular season uh, you can, is, is almost predictable with, with the players. You can almost plug in their numbers at the end of the year, providing they remain healthy. And I think the challenge, I think the challenge in the analytics community is to figure out how, uh, the, the figure out on a game by game basis, what will work analytically. Because you can, like, I don't know, Sheldon Keith is taking some heat for failing to adjust in the playoffs. Uh, if players don't perform, I don't know what you're going to adjust to, but, um, uh, but you have to know a, how, how a system works, but b how the other team is adapting to the system and, and change accordingly. And, and that's the challenge of the seven game playoff. And I don't think the Maple Leafs necessarily have figured that part of it out, hmm. but I don't think they're necessarily going to give up trying to figure that part of it out. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know how the analytics of a, of a one-on-one seven games in a row, um, what the measurements truly are that they're looking at. I don't think they necessarily look at the very same things uh, that the blogosphere looks at with analytics. I think they're, they're very specifically looking at their system and who's doing it well and, uh, and um, I'm playing players according to that rather than anything that you could look at on, uh, on the various websites. I love the various websites. I love the stories that they give you, but, but, um, I don't. I don't. I, I think in the team basis, they're digging down at a very granular level to to learn about their players and to learn about their systems and learn about their styles. Do you think they have corrected the problem they had against Montreal? Games five and game six, they weren't ready. They admitted they weren't ready, which is 
a shocking admission, as true as it is. I just, I, I can't, I, I don't know where the, the finger gets pointed on that and, and what could be done about it. Well, I guess we won't find out. And maybe they, they shouldn't have gotten to a game five or a game six. They should have won one. And maybe they would have won one if, if John Tavares didn't get injured on a second shift. I mean, there's many, yeah. many ways you can look at that, right? Um, they, I don't think we can know if they've addressed that until they get there and whether they play with confidence or they play like a deer in the headlights. Uh, but I don't think you can really and truly know that answer until at some point in April. Uh, and one of the other big question marks is the Morgan Riley situation. I'm actually going to throw him in. You've got th- uh, three, yeah, three UFAs that that may or may not cause a problem throughout the course of the regular season. In terms of do you move them? Um, how do the negotiations go if there are any? Mikhaev, Riley, and Jack Campbell. How problematic do you think any one of those three are? All three are. Well, I don't think problem is the right word. I mean, I think you can see that the three players can probably be a little bit upset, but I think part of the motivation uh, for letting players play in their free agency year is to maybe get the most out of them, to uh, that extra motivation. We've, we've seen it in other sports and we've seen it in hockey where players heading into free agency seem to have their career years knowing that there's a payday available. And I think that's as good a motivation as anything if I'm a manager to let them do that and the team benefits. I know the the price will change as a result, but you're you're maybe banking on the players having that kind of year that you need, that X factor, the, those X factor seasons, and then worry about paying the price in the summer when when uh, you you've uh, reaped the benefits of that year, perhaps. Oh, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it already is. Let's drop the puck. I, I, they, they're skating enough. They look fine out there. Let's just get the season going here. I'm ready. Yeah, well, they did that last year, so yeah. <laughs> there's the gate. Let's get going. Kevin, thanks very much. Appreciate it.